And I think there's actually a guarding of your heart in that, where it's like, oh, I can't believe they did that. They know better. And the boss is like, nah, just guard your heart. They right. don't know better, actually. Right. Um, and so I don't think it looks at them like, oh, you are the devil yourself. No, it's just saying, hey, have an expectation. Like, they're actually far from God, even if they're saying they are close to God. Um, but again, it doesn't change the way we should love people, but it, it, I do think it changes. All right, everyone, welcome back to episode four of our podcast. Currently at church, we just wrapped up this past Sunday, our Church That Heals series. And we've been doing a podcast to supplement and further dive deeper into that sermon each week. In previous episodes of this podcast, we've talked about how to cultivate an environment of healing. We've talked about emotional healing. We even talked about how to find a professional um, mental health supports. And we, we dove deep into this new initiative that we recently launched called Care Plus. And so if you haven't listened to those um, podcasts or if you missed church at all in the past four weeks, I want to encourage you, go back now before listening to episode four, listen to the previous podcast and jump into those sermons and then catch back up with us today. Today's episode is all about offense and specifically hurt within the church and how to find that healing. Today, I'm with my co-host, Pastor Josh. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic. Awesome. Uh, I say this every single week, but I truly believe this will be our best podcast wow. yet. Wow. And there's multiple reasons for that. But the primary reason, Nicolette, is because we have the one and only, our lead pastor, Pastor Jesse Eisenhart, with us here Woo-hoo. on the podcast. Pastor Jesse, welcome. Oh man, Josh, I'm <laughs> I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk and help help people in their journey. And um, I'm really passionate about this topic. Mm-hmm. This topic has um, uh, been something that has circled um, kind of discussion in our team for years. Yeah. And so to be able to have a series and then do this supplemental podcast is awesome. So yeah, well, it's so cool to hear you preach through the series and then to be able to sit down and break down even further some of your thoughts is going to be great. But we can't get into the conversation without starting with our infamous icebreaker question. Oh, no. This helps set the the tone a little bit, helps break the ice. But I got a great one for you today. Here's the question. Who's your favorite staff person and why is it me? Why is it you? (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Let's not answer that. Aren't we talking about offense, Josh? Exactly. I might be offended (laughs) when you you answer that Uh, question. But no, really, uh, the question is this. What is maybe the strangest job? That you've ever had what mm, the strangest task um well you're asking me the job which i was paid to do so um sure yeah uh, paid, paid job do you know what i think one of the most bizarre things it's not that strange but it was strange for me in this season i was um i was a bouncer at a bunch of different clubs in college wow. and it was strange mm-hmm. we'll just leave it at that it was, it was just an experience yeah an enlightening experience for me I mean, I got to ask a follow-up question though, but oh, your geez. time as a bouncer, what is like the most correlative thing that you, maybe you learned as a bouncer that you now <laughs> use as a lead pastor of a church? No, you know what? Um, you learn about the humanity of people, mm. that people go to extremes in every sense of the way. And whether it's politics, whether it's health, whether it's religion, whether it's alcohol, mm. whether it's drugs, what I mean, when people are hurting it's really on full display. And most of the time in society, if you're not attentive to it, you'll miss it. But you can see hurting people all the time. That's really good. And and just for the record, we have greeters at the door saying, out front of True North Church. We don't have bouncers. This is true. So yes. maybe this some people true. have mistaken them from bouncers. Hey, my dad met my mom 
as a bouncer. Wow. Really? She came into the club. See, wow. Praise the Lord. And there I've also go. heard people that met their spouse here because they greeted because them. Because they bounced at the at front the doors. Door. There you <laughs> go. So equally effective, maybe, in, in meeting your, uh, your special someone. But hey, let's dive into the conversation. I mean, what you've already said just about um, our humanity and yeah. maybe how you've seen that um, as pastor here at True North. Um, and also maybe in other experiences that you've had um, just growing up, doing life, being in family. Um, but one thing that you say frequently is we're a bunch of imperfect people serving a perfect God. Yeah. And so how does our imperfection um, open up the door for offense just in general? Mm. And maybe what does that look like? So you know how sometimes you'll say something and you learn this as a parent, you'll say something with an intention, um, but it's heard differently. Right. And mm-hmm. so really full communication is not just the sending of information, but it's getting feedback from the one that you send it to, to make sure that what you actually sent was received with the proper intention. Yeah. And so when I say that we're a bunch of imperfect people, I don't know what people think, mm. but my intentionality is to remind them of their humanity, to say that you shouldn't be ashamed um, of your own brokenness. But when I talk about imperfect people, I always make sure that I follow that up with saying, but we are in pursuit Hmm. of a perfect God. And so the intention is that, yeah, you may not be where you want to be and how you see yourself in the seasons of life, but collectively as a body of Christ, not only does healing happen when we pursue God um, individually, but healing collectively happens when we pursue God together. And so... um, yeah, and I don't know, Josh. I think there's part of it is this sense of judgment people feel naturally when they come to church, right? Yeah. And we talk about this a lot as staff. We're not immune to it, so right. we can be in any environment and feel a sense of judgment. And and how do you deal with that? I mean, some people might say to me, like, oh, well, you're telling people they're imperfect. It makes them feel comfortable in mm. their sin, and yeah. so you shouldn't say that. And it's not as if we're trying to say that you should feel comfortable in your sin. We're trying to say to people that you should be aware of the fact that apart from Christ, you cannot overcome it. Mm, And Paul says this in Romans 7. Remember, he says, like, um, the very things that I don't desire to do, I do, you know, and the things I do desire to do, I don't do. Mm -hmm. Um, I brought my Bible. I should probably read that passage because it's (laughs) important. But... um, I think that's the essence. To me, that statement that you that you referred to, what I say, yeah. is really the outworking of that, that internal struggle to recognize that I have a, a sin nature. Yeah. I do. And apart from Christ, I can't I can't conquer it myself. Yeah. No, you that's know? really good. Um, so a lot of people would come to church as a refuge from right. offense. Yeah. But we like to, even in growth track, I think we're very clear that you will be offended mm. even here in the context of church. Yeah. Um, define that. I mean, what, what does church offense look like or, or how might someone come out to church and even be offended? What, what does that look like? Yeah, I, I think uh, d- people have expectations, not only of themselves, but of society in general. They have expectations of relationships. They have expectations of educational institutions, of the workplace, of everything. And so when an expectation is violated... Um, then obviously they, people can go on a crusade to react to it. They can yeah. either live hurt by it, they can run away from it, they can fight it. But the truth is there's nothing wrong with having an expectation, but 
what we really need to talk about is having a healthy expectation. Maybe it's better to say it, a realistic expectation mm. of what are you really expecting to encounter when you relationally connect with another mm. broken person? Yeah. And somewhere along the line, we think that in the church environment, that when I come, I'm going to be greeted by an angel, and then another <laughs> angel is going to get me coffee, and then another angel is going to seat me in my seat, and then I'm yeah. going to be seated between two cherubim, and then, you know, I don't know. <laughs> it's just, it, it, there's nothing wrong with having an expectation of being loved when you come to church. Hmm. And But I think the, the truth is, if you're a church that's reaching broken people, you need to realize that the person next to you could be on the exact same journey as you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's... That's hard. So if I, if 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 you were to ask me, like, what does offense look like in the church dynamic? For me, I would say back to you, it looks exactly the same as a family dynamic of mm. offense, a job dynamic of offense. Yeah, they're all the same. But the real question that I think we ask ourselves as leaders is, how do we help people deal with offense? And what we're really saying with them is, how do we equip them? in their arsenal of relationship kind of weapons, so to speak, how do we equip them to overcome the aspect of offense so it doesn't hinder them from moving forward in the relationships with other people and with God? For example, like I remember, now you may not think this is pertinent to ministry, but for me, it was real out of, I played sports in high school, Mm -hmm. you know this, and my high school wrestling career, I was a senior, I was in a district finals and I ended up getting disqualified for biting my opponent. To wow. this day, I really wish I would have bit him. But um, <laughs> so it didn't um, happen. No, he cross-faced me, and he and it was an interesting situation. I still laugh when I think about it. <laughs> um, but I can't tell you as a senior in high school what that did to me, yeah. mentally and emotionally. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was mischaracterized. I felt like right. I was demeaned. I felt humiliated. I felt embarrassed. So I was dealing with all of these emotions, right? Yeah. And I learned early on that. I cannot control people's perception of me. Hmm. I can only control my reaction to what has happened, right? Yeah. And I learned that. And I remember it being painful. I remember having to wrestle with it on a daily basis, pray about it, argue with my parents about it, um, locked myself in my room, just quiet time with God, yelling at the Lord, like, really? You know? Now, you might say, like, oh, it's just sports. To me, it was teaching me how to deal with failure. Right. Um, loss, grief, frustration. And I was like, teaching me like, God wants to walk with you through that. Yes. And there's something that he wants, he wants to become the one you lean on. And I mean, maybe I just didn't learn it quick enough. So I had these continual things happening when I was younger in my life. And then if you were to fast forward, when that happened, I still had eligibility left. And I said, you know, I'm going to go to Rowan. I'm going to play football. At the time, you know, there were I think, well, you know, you went yeah. to Rome. They were um, went to the national championship the year before. And yeah. yeah, they just, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, this isn't going to work. And long story short, when I tried to get onto the football team, I remember the getting a letter um, two weeks before camp started saying, congratulations, you've been invited <laughs> to, and I'm like, oh, how did this wow. happen, you know? Yeah. And then I called and I said, hey, I'm just, you know, two days before camp. I said, hey, I'm just trying to get my stuff together. Yeah. And the coach on the other line says, oh, you know, he used certain language. That we can't use and them. No, we, don't, we won't use this. But he's like, oh, beep, you know. And, yeah. and he says, you weren't supposed to get that letter. 
Oh my gosh. You are not invited to camp. And yeah. then the, this is what he says. You will, you're not coming here. Oof. You know? <laughs> and the irony of the whole thing is I've been friends with this coach ever since. And he was my positional coach, yeah. would become my positional coach. And um, so right then, like my heart sinks, right? Yeah. It's like, I'm like reliving all these things again. Right. But then there was this new um, emotion that happened. Three days after camp started, I get a phone call from the coach and he says, hey, um, some of the guys failed out. They're ineligible for camp. Right. Do you want to come? Now, even the way that he formed the question was not like, hey, we want you. Right. It was yeah. like, hey, if you want to come, you know, so in my so mind. So like you were rejected and now <laughs> yes. wait, they feel bad for me. Yes. There's yes. a spot. Maybe they'll just so invite I, me out of pity. Yes. So that's exactly how I felt, right? So I'm, I walk in. I said, you know what? I don't care. I don't care if it's a pity thing. I can yeah. control my reactions to it. And so I was like, I'm going. And I remember feeling literally the, the entire camp, like they don't want me here. They don't think I can play and compete on this level. And, and so it was, it taught me a lot, man. It taught me a lot. It taught me how to deal with what I felt like reje uh, rejection. I was offended yeah. at the coaches that I hadn't even played for because yeah. of what had transpired. And so how do you deal with it? And the truth is offense is a weird, weird thing because- you want to tell yourself it has everything to do with someone else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, mm. and this is the hardest thing for people to deal with offense to realize, it actually has nothing to do with them. Mm. It doesn't mean they're innocent of wronging you. It just means that right. they have nothing to do with you walking in freedom. Right. Nothing. And so what I always say is if people come to church, they don't know how to deal with offense. It doesn't mean they're a bizarre human. Yeah. It means they're like every other human on, on earth. Yeah. It means that you have navigated life to this point and you've bobbed and weaved your way out of difficult conversations, sometimes that were correcting conversations or conversations that would have caused you offense. And when you first deal with that, yeah, oh, it's crushing. I think I think most people's reaction is when they're offended, they run. Yeah. Well, even the way you said it, it, it sounds like there are instances where offense even if it's in control or, or in the hands of someone else who's offended mm -hmm. because maybe even something sinful they've done or negative mm -hmm. or um, just their approach. But then it sounds like the experience can cause us to carry a spirit right. of offense. What is so dangerous about carrying a spirit of offense? Man, it's a primary tactic of the enemy that he uses to draw you away from God and the people of God. And the longer you go without dealing with offense, mm -hmm. it's this, it's a, it's a demonic thing, yeah. but it's, you feel comfortable living in it and you justify it yeah. and you begin to form a life and out of this idea that everyone is opposed to me and I'm just fighting my way through and no one understands. It, it, it becomes a, a narrow perspective of the, mm -hmm. you have a narrow perspective of the vantage of life. No one else is really involved. Right. Everyone else is on the peripheral, but that's how the devil wants it. He wants you to think that, the people who actually can bring you healing are the problem to stay away from them. Mm. And a lot of people in church and in life in general have convinced themselves of that. And so the very people they need to connect with to find healing, they view as the problem. And that's why I always say in, in the church, like, hey, the moment you have a difficult conversation with someone in church, um, lean into it. Mm. Don't run from it. Lean into it. And people say, well, why? Because it's in that and through that difficult I'm not saying it should feel right. 
Yeah. You know, I think people have this bizarre understanding when they're like, well, you talk about it like it should feel. No, it feels awful. Mm. It feels awful. You'd be nauseous, sick to your stomach. You might not sleep. Right. You'd be frustrated. You want to lash out in anger and all that. I, I think that's natural reactions, but yeah. that's where the spirit of the Lord comes in and says, hey, just relax. Like, I'm going to sustain you through it. Yeah. I'm teaching you something in it. Yeah. And I suppose for me now, if you, you know, does offense still happen with me? Yes. Do I still get, but I feel like the only difference now in my journey is I feel like I, I've learned how to listen to the Holy Spirit when offense mm. happens right away. Yeah. And as soon as it happens, I feel like the Holy Spirit gives that little like ding. Right. And I'm like, oh, that just happened. Yeah. And then I feel like the Holy Spirit just gives me this sense of peace, like, hey, you know, almost like reminding me, hey, Jess, you know how to react to this. Hmm. React right. So you, you, I want to go back to this expectation word. I'm kind of curious, I guess, biblically, but also your opinion and your experience. Is there a different expectation of pastors? So yes, um, offense is our, it, it is our responsibility for reaction, how to move forward. But is there a different call or a different mantle um, or a different expectation of a of a pastor versus a crew leader versus someone I'm just serving with on a Sunday morning. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think this is the, this is the important thing when it comes to authority as Christ places it in the dynamic of the church. Mm. Like you should have an expectation of parents to right. care, protect, feed, clothe. It's just an expectation and it's right. not an unrealistic one for um, pastors people in authority, positions of authority, you should have the expectation that they love, they care, they respect, they have a desire to equip and train. Um, you can have a confidence in someone like mm -hmm. that. And I think what you bring up is a good point, because when you talk about expectation, in some way you can seem to suggest, well, you know what? Everyone's broken, so have no expectation. Right. No, no, no. That's no expectation is different from a realistic one. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you look at someone like Moses, M Moses was an uncertain leader called by God, though he didn't want to be used by God. God reminded him he didn't really care what Moses thought. So God, <laughs> right. so Moses ultimately relinquished yeah. his desire, says, okay, I'll do what you want. Right. Um, but then as you look through his journey, it's like you see him wrestling, like these are your people, God, you know? And then when they would do something wrong, you know, it was like God said, well, no, they're your people, Moses. And there was right. like this wrestling of like when struggle and offense and failure would happen. And then obviously we know like Moses did things in scripture that as a leader, you're like, you know, he was held accountable for. Mm -hmm. And like, I read mm -hmm. that and I'm thinking that's all he did, you know, like, <laughs> because, right? right? Like that he hit a right. rock and he did these and you're thinking like, that's it. But, but, yeah. and I think that's, I, to me, when I, when I even think of Moses as a leader and the leadership principle about that, the expectations I believe God has of leaders to manage their emotions mm -hmm. and their their offense mm -hmm. and their pain is incredibly high because if a leader has an inability to deal with offense, and not only offense, insecurities. Mm. And insecurities, I think, coincide with offense. Mm -hmm. I think people that are highly insecure are frequently offended. Mm -hmm. um, and if you look at the way that they work in tandem with one or, one another, it's almost like they they create a quicksand mixture for mm. people. And so they they it's like a ping pong ball. They go <laughs> back and forth, and it's like, yeah. are they insecure now? Why are they offended? Man, oh, they're good now, but yeah, they're insecure. Oh, but they're offended. And it's just like this rhythm constantly. Mm -hmm. I just want to equip you. 
Yeah. If you haven't been equipped in those areas of your life or you're deficient in them or you you don't know how to actually be honest, yeah. that's not what the Bible says, that as leaders we force people to go. We're followers of Christ, but we help make a path straight through the principles of God's yeah. Word for people. That's good. How do the expectations of uh, grace and truth also then work in the area of offense? That's something we talked a lot about on a previous episode. Um, also, you pro- preached about it a few weeks ago. How does grace and truth kind of weave its way into offense as yeah. a necessary component for dealing with that? Yeah. I mean, I actually think a lot of leaders talk themselves out of necessary conversations that cultivate an environment they desperately long for. And I think we do the same thing as parents. We do the same thing as leaders. Oh, we want this environment and I just don't know how to get it. Stop running from the conversations you know you need to have. Right. Um and start having the conversations. Now, this is the other thing. It doesn't mean conversations will immediately produce something. Yeah. But it's like I'm already starting to sow into the ground grace mm. and truth right. and honesty and transparency. And even if it's not reciprocated from the other person in the relationship, you know, and you know this, Josh, we talked about this as it relates to marriage. It's yeah. like, I'm going to start being honest when my spouse is. And then the other spouse is, well, I'm going to start being honest when they are. <laughs> right. And it's like, well, that's going to be a long time because everyone's going to be playing the waiting game sitting on their, their hands. Uh, and so you just have or to say or no. Or you're weaponizing truth. Yes. Right. Yeah. And then it's like, well, you said, and you said, it's like, whoa, whoa, how about I just, I serve you with a selfless love with no expectation of return. Mm -hmm. And that's why to me, I say almost every Sunday, Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated his love towards us that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's like Christ did not wait for us to act in a certain way before he demonstrated love. And if we're supposed to be followers of Christ, we need to make sure that we treat other people in the way that we ourselves want to be treated. But that's the expectation bit, mm-hmm. right? It's like, well, I expect to be treated good. You should have right, that right, expectation. Right. But yes. some people have an inability to deliver it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You could be listening. You're like, oh, well, that could set up, you know, if, if you don't put boundaries. I'm not saying anything about removing boundaries. Boundaries are necessary in relationships. You should not become a doormat with people. Mm-hmm. You should not be abused by people. You should not. But I'm saying that there is a selflessness to helping people overcome offense and pain and bitterness. You, you, and you, Josh, you, you, well, the two of you, Nicola, you know this too. When we as a team operate and there's a real sense of trust in a room, like what's shared is like, it's pretty intense. Like we can we can mm-hmm. cultivate an environment where we're like, hey, I don't, I just don't really know if that idea is going to be best. Right. I think we might say a little harsher, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. that that sucks. That there's idea. A, there's a heaviness, but there's an ease to it. There's an ease yes. to it. But but think about it. What cultivates those environments? One is a real relationship and love for the people around the table, and the other one is mandated by a professional environment. Mm-hmm. So it says, well, if I and think about yeah. what what drives it, right? Our drive is really to have a collective win, but a real mutual love for one another That's because good. we love God. We, we want to love one another. If you're sitting around a table and you're working in an executive team, there's so many parallels, but I think the one difference is the motivation yeah. to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like Sorry. I'm going to tell you the way it is because I'm protecting my butt. I want to get the bonus. I don't care about your bonus. I mean, <laughs> I do, but I want to protect myself first. And so I'm going to be honest in front of everyone. I think that's terrible. That's a bad idea. And so the motivation, right. to be honest, is not for the for the interests of the other person. It's a self-interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when people are used to that, that's when people say things like this. They say, oh, I'm honest. Oh, you listen, if you know me, uh, I'm brutally honest. <laughs> and usually sometimes that means 
it's coming from a place to protect their their own insecurities yeah. or it's just a selflessness or a selfishness to yeah. it you know well even with managing expectations as a leader um i think it's it's multi-directional um and so i'm curious to hear your thoughts about this but oftentimes let's just say even in my role maybe i would struggle to have the expectation of looking at you with grace as my leader when I'm thinking from a lens of you have to be perfect. Mm. And when you're not, all of a sudden mm -hmm. my expectations haven't been met. Yeah. And so now I'm offended. But also from the other perspective, um, when we are leading someone else, we might have the expectation that they can't experience offense. Yeah. And to be really quick to dismiss them mm. if they show signs of that because, oh, well, you know, we don't have time for this. Specifically looking as someone you're leading, how do you respond to others' offense and what should we as Christian leaders do to be help uh, or helpful in that healing process. Do you know, it's so funny, like hearing you describe that because I'm smiling. It's like, you know your wife well, mm. right? Yes. And it's like, if someone came up to you this idea and they were like, uh, um, hey, like I'll talk about uh, Liza, right? Um, so someone's like, hey, I want to do this surprise party for your wife. Yeah. And I have this plan. They, oh, it's all this thing. The heart is genuine and all this. Right. I would look back at them. I'd be like, that is the worst idea in the world. And they would be like, what? <laughs> and I'd be like, you don't know my wife. She dis she loathes the <laughs> surprises. Yeah. She would run, scream, and then yell at me that I permitted that to happen. And you would say, well, well, this is a carrying my motivations. It doesn't right. matter. So what am I really saying? You have to know people. Yeah, know good. the people you're around. And like, you know, Josh, when, when people come on staff, everyone that comes on staff um, gets my personality assessment. Mm -hmm. And it's the primary purpose of that. And, and over time, I'll get their assessment. So right. I understand like, how are they wired? Mm -hmm. well, how are they motivated? What, what, what? Makes them excited. What crushes them? And if you don't know that yeah. about the people you're working with, it's really good. Oh my gosh, you can right. feel like you're working in in the matrix. It's like, how do I? <laughs> how do I make? I I say this to this person, they they roll their eyes. Right. I say it to this person, they get inspired and right. excited. I say it to that person, they want to quit. It's like, how do? What What do you do? And yeah. and you have to know the people. And then th really the next good. question will be like, well, how do you do that? It's genuine time and, and care. Good. And then I think coupled with that, it's this, it's the confidence and the security to be able to acknowledge when you screw it up. That's good. And say, hey, you know what? I mm -hmm. know that I can talk to so-and-so like that because he really is motivated by that strong challenge, but I know it kind of may crush you a bit. And so I'm sorry for saying that. You know, And there are things that you have to be okay with doing if you really want to build relationships that are worthwhile. Well, like You made that comparison to family. If our, if our staff is a family, mm. it's going to be messy sometimes. Right. Yeah. If our church is a family, there's going to mm -hmm. be messy moments in that that we have to show grace. And we have to speak truth at the same yeah. time, but also fight. You fight for your family. You, right? have, you have to fight. And I think fighting the good fight of faith is trusting God, believing the best in people, loving people, um, and being selfless in the way you approach people. And yeah. that's hard. That's not easy. It doesn't, that doesn't happen in our natural, in our, in our sinful nature. Mm -mm. We, we need Jesus in that yeah, for that's, sure. That's so good. Um, I wanted to read just a couple of verses that I think speak to this. Uh, the first is Proverbs 19, 11. It says, good sense makes one slow to anger and it is glory to overlook offense. Mm. How is that relevant well, to uh, us as leaders overlooking offense? Yeah, it, it, I, I mean, I, I may oversimplify it. I just, you're dodge. It's like playing dodgeball, man, with people who like, you know, if you haven't cultivated the ability to, to 
in your insecurities or your past pains or your brokenness. Um, you don't know what people have dealt with in their life. They could have come from a sexual abusive environment, a verbally abusive environment. They could struggle with addiction. They could be insecure. They could have failed, lost their job. You don't know. And so when people react a certain way, like for you to take that on the surface as like, oh, they're yeah. a horrible person. Ah, it's just, I don't know. Then you haven't worked with people enough, you know? Um, mm. I, I just think when someone reacts like that, it's like, Dodge, will you just, you know, lean one way? Like, ah, you didn't hit me. <laughs> miss. It's okay. Yeah, it's miss. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think this is overlooking it, you know? But in, uh, even in that word, overlook, is there's a bit of like an active connotation of that and that there's intentionality it's a choice. behind dealing with it mm. instead of just like hoping by default yeah. that some way we'll, we'll manage to handle it well when that's not likely the case. It's yeah. strategic. There needs yeah. to be strategy behind that. Yeah, for sure. Um, the other verse I want to read uh, just comes from Matthew 18. It's uh, verse 15 through 17. But this almost gives us a bit of a, um, a guide, if you will, to how we deal with offense in the church. So it says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. So that's a, a bit of a, a strong ending. But the reason I bring that up is because God is a God of order and structure. Right. And it, it sounds like even in this verse that he's giving us like an instruction on how we deal with this even structurally, organizationally, as a church family. Isn't it interesting when you read that? There's an expectation to it. Mm. There's an expectation of, like, if they react a certain way, okay, then this is what I do. And mm -hmm. if they react a certain way, then... But isn't it interesting? It says, as they refuse to hear it mm -hmm. um, from the church, let him be to you. And so it's like there's this new expectation. Mm. Mm -hmm. So don't expect them to, to forgive, to hold no record of wrong to love according to Corinthians 13. Like, don't yeah. don't expect that. And I think there's actually a guarding of your heart in that, where it's like, oh, I can't believe they did that. They know better. And the boss is like, nah, just guard your heart. They right. don't know better, actually. Right. Um, and so I don't think it looks at them like, oh, you are the devil yourself. No, it's just saying, hey, have an expectation. Like, they're actually far from God, even if they're mm. saying they are close to God. Um, but again, it doesn't change the way we should love people, but it, it, I do think it changes the way that we have a perspective of them, Yeah, like the expectation of them. Well, even about the concept that people carry, I think currently around just cutting people out, mm. completely isolating right. them, is are there is there a healthy way to do that biblically? Yeah, I do. I, I think for sure. I think there's boundaries to it, you know, and I think sometimes um, relationships in many ways is like a sense of currency, you know, and... You should, the Bible talks about an endless place of forgiving. Mm. Um, but sometimes there can be a sense of, um, I don't want to use the word manipulation, but there can be an, a, a sense of approaching relationships with the best intentions, but avoiding what really needs to be done mm. out of a fear of what it might produce. Yeah. So like, hey, you know what? You are incredibly disrespectful, blah, blah, blah. You demean, you say these. So mm. there has to be a boundary. And until there's reconciliation in a real way, this boundary is established because mm -hmm. what is being brought in, we have good intentions and we want you to be brought in, but what is being brought in on a continual basis is, is just not right. And mm. it's actually causing a greater gap. And I think some people do that. They're like, no, I just want to, I just want to love them yeah. and I just want to do it. And what you're saying is like, you're actually allowing them to dig a hole that's deeper 
you might have the right intentions. And I always right. say to people, like, good intentions are wonderful. Right. But if they're not according to God's way, right. then in all of your efforts, you're not going to gain a friend. You're going to lose it. Yeah. Um, you're going to lose them. And so sometimes the hardest thing is the most necessary thing. Yeah. It's saying, hey, you know what? Until reconciliation happens in a genuine way, then you constantly coming in and dropping bombs on family situations, yeah. Yeah. it breaks stuff up. And so if you really do have a heart of reconciling something, then, hey, there's got to be a way that honors everyone right. in mm. it um, and gives margin for people to actually grow in areas of their deficiency. Yeah. And it, usually it's never one party is so bad and the other one is so right. Usually there's growth required from yeah. each party. Um, it's just the way it is in relationships. Yeah. We always like to end the uh, podcast with um, a practical takeaway. Is this the end? This is getting close to the end. Are you just getting started? Uh, you got well, some other stuff? I did want to read. Let me, can I read yeah, this one? Yeah, please. Yeah. Do it. I think we have like 40 minutes left, don't we, Nico? <laughs> as long as you um, want to talk, we'll keep no, So... I mean, people can shut off whenever they want to shut off, right? Ultimately? Sure. Ultimately, yeah. Um, no, this is what I said at the beginning. I wanted to just turn to Romans 7. It's Romans seven twenty two. Paul says, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. So he's saying like, I know God's ways are right, mm. but I see another law at work in me. Mm. It's waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Mm. He says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And then he says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Um, hmm. And he says, so then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature am I as I'm a nature, a slave to the law of sin. I mean, it sounds a lot, and there is a lot in that, but I think a lot of people would resonate with the fact that I desperately want to do what's right. Yeah. But man, I struggle sometimes to yeah. do it. Yeah. And that's why, Josh, I, on a Sunday, I'm always telling people about where to look. Yeah. And I always say, fix your eyes, mm. fix your eyes. Because I think where your eyes go, so does your mind, and mm -hmm. so does your heart. And so sometimes when I'm struggling with stuff and I'll just close my eyes and I'm laying down or I'm praying, I'll dwell on a verse and literally like, I'm like seeing the letters, the words, so to speak, in my mind, and I'm just saying them over mm -hmm. and over and over That's again. Good. But it's this, it's this idea that I don't want to react this way because I know God's law is right, but I keep fi fighting. There's like this inner war in my mind, mm. in my spirit. And Paul's like, I, I think a lot of people can resonate that where he says, man, what a wretched person I am. Yeah. Mm. What a like a hypocrite, a screw up, you know? Yeah, that personal acknowledgement. Yeah, but then he says, who's going to help me and rescue me? Mm. And he says, thanks be to God, who not he hopes will deliver. He says, who will who delivers me That's good. through Christ Jesus our Lord? And man, if we run to Jesus and fix our eyes on Jesus, that's where we'll find healing. And I, 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 I say this a lot too, you guys know this, but we're healed to collectively together in the body of Christ mm -hmm. in relationships. Yes. Yep. Relationships are not an addition to, it is the very part by which God brings healing and wholeness to people through relationships. That's so good. And maybe you just answered the question I was going to ask you. <laughs> wow. But if, if you can find even in one or two sentences or more, um, if someone is walking alongside someone this week who is carrying a fence, who is struggling with that, getting past that, specifically maybe even someone who um, has been in a relationship with Jesus 
but for some reason is isolating themselves now because of something that happened in church or mm-hmm. at church or with someone from church. What is one or two practical things we could do to lead people in that part of their journey or through that part of their journey as leaders coming alongside of them and, and caring for them? Yeah, I'm, I mean, the first thing is I would always encourage people to get wisdom from someone else who may have walked through something similar. Mm-hmm. There, we have a, a growing family here at True North, and I can guarantee you someone else has walked through a similar season. Yeah. And yeah. so getting wisdom from other crew leaders, people in your crew, pastors on staff, team members, saying, hey, this is a situation, I mean, what should I do? I think, and then going back to assess like, hey, how am I treating the person? How do I think of the person? Um, because how you think of them and how you treat them um, are incredibly important. And I think they become the motivation by which you intend to help them. And then I suppose the next question I would say is, are you praying for the person? Because hmm. um, if you desperately desperately want to see them walk in healing, you need to be praying for them. That's good. And especially if you're the one that is, you know, maybe part of the offense process, right? Yeah. Praying for them. And yeah. then lastly, I would say this is be very, very aware of what you're doing to, quote, mend or fix the offense. Mm. That's good. Unquote. You have to know, You've many people do this, they don't even realize it, they've strategized a way yeah. to fix it. Yeah. And they're like, so what I'm doing is I'm just going to give this, and I'm gonna, we're going to have them over, and we're going to do that, and then we're going to do this. And you, you will not bring spiritual healing to someone through your strategizing. Mm. So good. It will not happen. So and I'm not trying to demean people's intellect. I'm just saying that to think that you in some way will spiritually heal someone's heart. Right. Um, now, does that mean that the Holy Spirit can't nudge you to say, hey, have someone over for dinner and get them coffee? No, not at all. Mm. I'm just thinking if you think that the ultimate solution of offense is through your strategizing, I just think it's misplaced. I, I think the Lord wants you to recognize that real healing comes from Him alone. He will use you in that process. But the healing always is seen by when that person starts running towards yeah, Christ. Yeah. So good. And so it's like, okay, how do I help that person run less to me yep. and more to Jesus? Mm. And that's great because that's one of the core pieces of wisdom, I think, that you impart mm. to every single one of us on team, just as we're ministering to people, caring for them. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I feel like you coach us so well in this, and so I think it would be a miss not to go down this path very quickly of when people leave other churches and come to True North. Yeah. Or, or vice versa, honestly. Yeah. You yeah. coach us so well in how to have that conversation, especially mm. on a Sunday when somebody walks in and they maybe start speaking poorly about their pastor and they yeah. haven't completely left yet. And, yeah, yeah, and I think, right, like, think about it. When someone does that, you're like, they're hurt. Yeah. What would I do when I'm hurt? Like, I, I would want to tell someone. Yeah. Like, and I don't think it's an unnatural thing, right, right, to talk about hurt. But again, it's in the context. Like, you can tell how, like, fresh it is with people, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like, oh, I'm here for the first time, and they'll just say stuff. And you're like, oh, this is fresh for you. Right. Um, But I'm really sensitive, and I'm my, like, I'm I'm very aware, let's just say this, of how people talk about their past relationships. Mm -hmm. Because what they don't realize in many ways is that as soon as they say that it's like them telling you that hey they have a big backpack on a spiritual one or a right. relational mm-hmm. one right. and um they walked into church this morning with it mm-hmm. and it's huge mm-hmm. and it's filled with hurt pain offense insecurities mm-hmm. brokenness and um i don't i don't get intimidated by that yeah 
I just am aware of it. And again, that gives me the ability to overlook offense. Right. right? And you've always you've always helped us so much of yeah. if somebody's showing you their backpack, mm. um, not to be like, oh, well, we don't have that backpack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or also <laughs> no. to be like, no, maybe coach them through like, do you need to open that up to them? And a lot of times, you know how I always say is like the first thing we tell people is how have you left? Right. Because what we're really saying is what yeah. relationships have you, what conversations have you had? Yeah. Reconciliation. And yes. And most people will be like, well, I just can't, you know? <laughs> and the truth is it could be abusive, spiritual, like spiritual right. abuse. It could, I don't know the situation, but right. it's almost saying like, I'm, I will often gauge when I ask people that, like their willingness to entertain a conversation. Right. So they'll be like, so if they meet it say, oh no, no, I would never talk to that. It's almost yeah. like they've refuted, you know, scripturally what is the ultimate way to lead to healing and reconciliation right which is conversation now That's some good. some specific circumstances if there's real types of abuse you would never want right, them right, to go right. back right yes. but um for the most part i think and, and i i always think that breaks my heart too and again i always say that we're human i said to one gentleman because um this was years ago he kept berating his former pastor and hmm. i smiled but tongue in cheek i was like uh well, listen, I said, I have to be honest with you. Yeah. I was like, I've, this is the first time I've met you. You've only been here a few weeks. I said, uh, I'm just hoping that I don't become the second pastor that you talk about like this. <laughs> oh, no, I would never talk about you like that. And I just said to him, I was like, well, you don't even know me. Wow. You know, and and he says, oh, no, no, I know you. And I think what he was saying is, is like, you know, you, you'll never offend me. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I'm like, uh, so that's why I often just follow up and say, hey, if I haven't offended you yet, I, that's not my intention ever. Right. right. But um, there may be areas in your life that I preach about, and you're like, why is he talking about that? Yeah. I'm like, I say that when people come to church and they're like, Pastor, there's nothing you could say that will offend me. And then I preach about tithing, and they don't tithe. Mm-hmm. And you talk about money. They're and then they're like, I cannot believe <laughs> the pastor. I brought a friend, and he talked about tithing. Yeah. And you're like, well, Jesus talked about tithing. Right. The scriptures are filled with the principles of tithing. Right. But again, it's just, it's the principles. No one is beyond the the arms of being offended. You right. know? And even the backpack analogy, I mean, if if you're just running from something without rest, restoring right. it... It doesn't make it disappear. It's still in your backpack, right. and now yeah. you're carrying it to right. your next location. Yeah. Right. And you're coming yeah. into For a church sure. carrying that offense that yeah. you know, still needs healing. And I think, I, I always look at it, I mean, I've thought of that analogy my whole leadership life and the way that i've always thought of it is we all begin our journey with a backpack and we all have the ability to store something Mm. yeah and it's like are you willing i think that your maturity is seen in your willingness to deal with what you're carrying in it yeah and the more mature you are and the closer you get Mm -hmm. to the lord and the less things you carry yeah um the more honest you are about what you did carry right when you're like Oh, I see you're carrying offense. You're like, hey, I did. Yep. I did. God set me free from it. And I'm like, this is how. So I think that helps people on their journey to think like, oh, well, you're a pastor. You've never. I'm like, nope. Plenty of times um, yeah. that, you know, I've dealt with those things. But that just helps people recognize that, hey, we're all on this journey together. Um, God is good. Christ brings healing. And it's through relationships with other people that we can feel strengthened, yeah. equipped, for everything that's before us, you know? That's good. Well, I feel like we literally scratched the surface. There's so much yeah. to continue on. Maybe in this a part two down the road. Maybe. 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 Um, Pastor Jesse, you always do such a good job at reminding us that, and you say it every single Sunday and you said it today, that we are imperfect people in pursuit of a perfect God. And that's so important to carry that principle. 
Um, some other things you talked about have healthy expectations of the church and have healthy expectations of broken people. I can't control um, perceptions. I can't control as a leader, as a Christian, how people are going to perceive me, but I can control my reaction. And what happened might have been wrong, but you are responsible for how you react and move forward. Um, often leaders sacrifice the environment that they're desperate for. You said that they're desperate for it. They're praying for it. Um, because they're just running away. And so we need to um, have this motivation to be honest. We need to have the motivation to reveal the backpack, open it up, get get dirty, get um, angry, get real with God, and per- perhaps have a conversation and be motivated to be honest. Some verses um, for our further study would be Hebrews 10, 14, Romans 7, 22, uh, the book of Exodus, just studying Moses's leadership journey, Romans 5, 8, Proverbs 19, 11, and Matthew 18, 15 through 17. That's so good. Did you have a good time on the, the podcast? I enjoyed my time greatly. Was it you. the best podcast you've ever been a part of? It's it yes. Yes. Right. Wow. If you said and no, I, I was gonna say, have to deal with my And family. it well, may have to be because you guys are family and um I I love I love talking about um I love talking about family and how to make it stronger. Yeah. And talking about real stuff that most people um, listen, the topics we talked about today, most people, it's so easy to just be like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's cool. And then just never deal with it. Yeah. I mean, the truth is life is way too short not to deal with the things that, you know, are presented for us. That's good. Well, hey, thanks so much for being with us. Church, as always, we appreciate you listening. We are praying for you each and every day, praying for healing, praying for restoration, praying for redemption and pointing you back to Jesus. Uh, Thanks for joining us for the conversation. As always, we want to remind you that you don't have to wait till Sunday. Go be the church.